Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello, and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey, you guys. This is Dr. Santosh, pediatric infectious disease doctor, researcher, newly back from a very massive Toxoplasma conference, and I am tired. What was the conference called? (laughs) Toxo 16! (laughs) <laughs> nice or it well, the longer form is like the 16th uh toxoplasma or so, sorry the 16th international toxoplasma congress yes i like but the one I, that makes it sound like you went to a wrestling thing i, I toxo like toxo toxo <laughs> that's what it was too and josh they they announced uh, they announced the upcoming conferences and stuff, and right. So, Toxoplasma is what's called an AP complexin parasite. That's the big family of parasites that it belongs in, and it is an agricultural pest as well as being a human disease. And there's many other AP complexins that cause disease in animals. So, the agricultural folks are going to have in Bern, Switzerland, coming up in October, their big ap complexin conference and because it's an animal conference they're calling it ap cowplexa (laughs) (laughs) i'm so happy finally scientists getting their shit together and naming things (laughs) exactly yeah 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 but it makes me so happy i know you're excited but we're not going to be talking about toxoplasma today Mm. it's had its turn it has it has and Ordinarily, this would be a journal club week. No, no, don't oh. cheer. Don't oh cheer. My God. Oh, okay, okay, sorry, sorry. I know. I didn't mean to, to play with you. But there's been a lot of things <laughs> going on in the news, and we have a huge backlog of <laughs> definitely not controversial topics to comment on. <laughs> You know, I think it's better when we do it this way. Like, we allow everything to kind of cool off. And chill out, and then maybe we get around to, hey, this was controversial like half a year ago. Now that everyone stopped like freaking out, let's talk about it kind of thing. However, yeah, I will open up the floor on our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, which I will start you know, maintaining. Uh, in, Instagram. The, Instagram. That's the yeah, yeah. The kids are using Instagram. If you've got <laughs> media to be social, we'll socialize with you on it. <laughs> and we'll open up for next week's journal club listener questions. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, but any questions you guys have, comments, you know, you want to ask something medical or, you know, Josh, right? Kind of like pseudo medical or not, not even or, medical. Or yeah. why do hot dogs come in packages of 10 and hot dog buns in packages of eight? Really? <laughs> Whatever makes you happy. So that's yeah. that's our little promo for next week. Yes. But I'm sure you're all wondering unless of course you read the title, what this week's episode is about. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a little clue, Santosh, uh, okay. and we'll see if you're able to catch depending on how much time you've spent on TikTok. Okay, yeah. Ahem. Okay. Ahem. My monkey got spittle, spittle. Uh-oh. Rash to make you wriggle, wriggle. For sure. Macular oh. to vesicle, sickle. You know, riding with my ID really ought to trust me. Seven <laughs> times two to incubate. Don't wait. But luckily we'll vaccinate sick contacts. So relax and unwind. Sipping some red, red wine. <laughs> All right. The, that's your clue. The hell just happened? What is going on here? No, no, I haven't been on TikTok. I heard, I heard monkeys and vesicles. Are we talking about monkeypox? But what the we, hell was that? <laughs> we are talking about monkeypox. And that means, Santosh, we've arrived for the second time at a around the world in 80 plagues. All right. Yeah. Managed to turn my volume down in time. <laughs> I, I I very much uh, enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're going to talk about a plague which is actually not at all a, a new plague. It's been around for a long time, but it's coming up in the news now because it is it's now being found outside of its usual endemic sites. How about that? How about that? That's that's a good start. So let's it's just going to be a real short ride in the way back machine today for a couple reasons. One, mm -hmm. fuel for this thing is getting expensive, man. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it it does run on hopes and dreams and I think we're running a little low on those just about now. <laughs> We're all feeling a little. <laughs> uh, and second, we really don't have to go back that far. The origins of monkeypox, at least as we kind of know it, only go back to 1958. Yeah. And we have to kind of recognize that this is, it's a zoonotic disease. So it had to kind of show up meaning that a lot of the way that SARS-CoV-2 had to evolve and erupt its way from an animal reservoir to a human reservoir before it was recognized by, you know, scholars and that kind of a thing and described. We don't actually know because this is endemic to, you know, the center of Africa. If maybe it had been described before by indigenous peoples, by native peoples, but you know, even then, Josh, like with malaria, we have a lot more history behind that disease and talking about the chinchona tree and all that kind of stuff than we do with monkeypox. So it seems like it's maybe it is actually a newish disease. Well, it does have some interesting ties to other to other well-known diseases. It's it runs in an interesting entourage. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. Let me take you back to 1958, doo-wop, okay. jukebox, good old-fashioned science. Oh, yeah. Uh, when Preden von Magnus was the very first to confirm the identity of the monkeypox virus, uh, as he described it in laboratory crab-eating macaques. Yeah. <laughs> it was essentially a colony of six mo sick monkeys, yes. You sick monkeys, bunch of <laughs> crab-eating macaques. <laughs> and they were used for neurological research, as monkeys often are. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was found in monkeys. So he, well, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. It was, you know, they're used for neurological research. And it was noted during two outbreaks of this disease in summer and again in autumn as he examined both the monkeys and the tissues under a microscope, he noted it was similar in appearance to other pox viridia. And so he named it monkey pox, having been discovered in monkeys. Monkeys right. are not, by and large, the native carriers of this disease. 
Mm-hmm. That's true. I think up till now, we still don't really know what the what we call definitive host is or the natural reservoir, but it seems to be able to travel between multiple types of animals pretty readily. So it's usually, and we'll get more into detail, but the Cliff's Notes version, for those of you who are still frantically trying to look up TikTok and songs and figure out what the hell just happened. <laughs> yeah. It's usually transmitted by the bite of an infected animal, touching an infected animal's blood, body fluids, or fur, or eating undercooked meat from these animals. The most common carriers that we know of are rodents, rats, mice, and squirrels. Yeah, my favorite, because these are all African animals and we haven't heard of them really in the United States. So Josh, rope squirrels, tree squirrels, Gambian poached rats, dormice, and of course, various species of monkeys. Now, since the late 60s, the World Health Organization has noted that it's not uncommon or infrequent to observe outbreaks of mon- of both smallpox and monkeypox in lab monkeys. And they documented cases at over 25 different institutions around the world and began researching susceptibility in humans even back then. Uh, however, the reason that Prieden von Magnus noted that monkeypox was similar to other pox viridia is he happened to be, you know, buddies with a little guy named Jonas Salk. Okay, all right, yeah. Who was involved in making the Salk vaccine for polio, which is another one of our 80 Plagues episodes. Yeah. And he was such good friends that he was appointed the head of the smallpox response in Denmark and led up the entire Danish vaccination campaign. Delicious. He then, for his efforts in this and other scientific endeavors, gained a Danish knighthood he is a literal white knight, order of the white knight. <laughs> Which has uh, many different implications nowadays. But in this particular case, it means that he did a great service to the nation state of Denmark and has been honored as such by their monarch. <laughs> we'll make a brief pit stop along the way, because sure. while there are a few cases of monkeypox that have made it to the U.S. on this occasion, there is nothing near the levels that I think we would call an outbreak, much less have to worry about another pandemic at this point in time. So prior to the current spattering of cases, the last time we really saw anything in the recent past were two travelers who came from Nigeria in 2021 to Maryland and Texas. But the last outbreak in the U.S. was in 2003. And this was a shipment of animals from Ghana. 800 small mammals representing nine different species, including some of the adorable squirrels and rats and things you named earlier. Yes. Some of these animals were housed near prairie dogs in a Illinois facility. I'm not entirely sure what facilities are processing prairie dogs, and I'm not <laughs> sure I want to know. <laughs> well, just keep in mind, I mean, some of them are going to be for scientific endeavors and that kind of a thing. They're not just going to, like, process prairie dogs for the hell of it. My baloney <laughs> has a first name. It's No, uh, I, I'm kidding. Don't worry. Don't no, worry. No, we're not no, slandering our <laughs> our no, wonderful hot dog making industry here in the United States. <laughs> no animals were harmed in the crafting of this joke, but right. 47 people from Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Missouri, Ohio, and Wisconsin became ill with monkeypox after having contact with infected pet prairie dogs. There you go. See, happy ending. (laughs) Hopefully, this will make you all feel a little bit calmer. Human-to-human transmission rates generally are limited, although there are two different kinds of monkeypox that – two big families. Clades? Is that what you call them, Santosh? Yeah. You you trained in Florida. Would they be Everclades? (laughs) Oh no. In this particular t- <laughs> in this particular case we're going to use the word strains. So based on geographic locations in Africa, actually two different geographic regions in Africa, 
this is kind of suggested by um, epidemiological evidence, animal molecular evidence. So there is a uh, strain in Central Africa and then a monkeypox that comes mostly out of Western Africa, which is a little less virulent. And most of the cases that we have seen have been the West African milder monkeypox Yay for mild. Woo. Whereas the more severe one does have person to person spread. So that's the one we're kind of worried about, but not the one that we are currently seeing. Uh, this current outbreak seems to have begun in the UK. It's a little bit unclear. Uh, it could have been a few giant raves that were taking place in Europe at that time. There is an outbreak traced to a Madrid sauna. So it also was not uncommon in the LGBT population. It's tough to say where the particular one began, but we know it landed as more an outbreak in the UK, and a few of those cases have made it as well to the US. Uh, All of them originated in Africa. The zero contacts or the contact tracing uh, went back to someone who had recently been to Africa. And I think we'll talk about this a little bit more, Josh, as we talk about the history, other times that we've seen monkeypox around. But I think this is where a lot of our brothers and sisters who are in Africa can sometimes get a little bit frustrated because genuinely in Africa, we've had several outbreaks, 1996 to 1998. And then, you know, we've had other surveys in the early 2000s. Um, and then another uh, outbreak all the way back in, you know, 2017. And the frustrating thing is the scientific community at large, meaning from industrialized and rich countries, really didn't recognize or act on the fact that this was a an emerging pathogen until it did this, until it skipped out of Africa and made its way into Europe and North America. So people have been warning about this for a while. And it's not a new thing, as you mentioned, because this disease is endemic to Africa and makes the jump from rodents to the human population every so many years. You know, it kind of comes in waves. Although cases have been steadily increasing specifically, uh, we've noted, in the the Central African strain, and that's in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, or the People's Republic of the Congo. Whatever the Congo is calling itself these days, there's a lot of cases of monkeypox there. Yes, there are. And it probably has to do with the same thing that we worried about when SARS-CoV-2, or indeed the original SARS, came out is that we humans are encroaching into places that we normally wouldn't go. And we're doing various things like logging and cutting into the forests, as well as harvesting animals and interacting with animals that we normally wouldn't interact with, which makes a lot of these viral infections. It makes it it facilitates them skipping from animals to human animals, so to speak, really, really easy. So, yeah, unfortunately, Josh, this is kind of like going to keep happening until we cut it the hell out. And to reiterate a little bit of our earlier myth busting, the fact that it's monkey pox and there are a lot of monkeys in the Congo is not in any way, shape, or form related to intimate contact between humans and primates. It is much more likely to occur from humans eating that primate meat and or skinning the primates or being around infected rats in areas of low sanitation. Right. So just as you had mentioned before, that contact with body fluids or blood is the other one. So you know, eating absolutely, butchering too, and preparing meat. Those are going to be the most common ones. You can get it from droplets, large droplets, but those droplets are so, so big that they don't travel very far at all. So that would have to be very close. That kind of transmission is what we're talking about with human to human. And that's what you brought up, Josh, when you said, oh, there might have been a lot of people partying together, like rubbing up against each other in a club or something like a rave. Right. So saunas and raves uh, or mass European style parties have been, you know, several outbreak sources. Now, 
as mentioned in the earlier musical interlude, the <laughs> incubation period is 7 to 14 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's pretty much it. So, yes, it can be sexually transmitted because it does go through bodily fluids, but that is less likely to be the way people who catch it are coming into contact with it. So what does it look like, Santosh? Yeah, you originally, you're going to get the scratch, the bite, um, in some cases petting an infected animal or in places where they do capture these animals for meat, where you're doing skinning, butchering, any of those kind of things. That's going to happen first. Those two weeks or so will go by, although the incubation can be as long as 21 days. And what will happen is you'll get a rash that will start a couple of days before a fever breaks out. Um, And then the fever will actually last a good long time. Like it'll be, you know, about a week going on. After that, um, the rash will look like bumps on your skin. Um, they won't particularly look distinctive, um, so to speak. <clears throat> but then you'll start to get um, swollen lymph nodes around your neck and that kind of a thing. And as the rash progresses, and this rash, Josh, goes from outside in. So it starts in on your extremities. So hands, feet, that kind of a thing, and then moves in towards your trunk. It'll start to transform so that the bump develops a juicy, clear center. (laughs) So this is what we call a vesicle full of clear fluid. And then that one will break looking a lot like chicken pox for those of you guys who are young enough or old enough to have had chicken pox. For those of you young enough, it'll look like chicken pox. For those of you old enough, it'll look like smallpox. Yeah, there you go. So I don't know that a lot of our listeners would have ever seen chickenpox, actually, thanks to vaccination. But yeah, you'll get that vesicle, which will look like a bubble of clear fluid or sometimes commonly called a blister. And then it will uh, burst and you'll get scabbing then after that. So by and large, Josh, for a lot of people, they'll get the fever, they'll feel really sick, they'll get a rash all over. Unfortunately, the rash does leave bad scars, which is one of the worst side effects that we um, we really hate to see. And then most people with that West African variant that you talked about, they'll actually get better and they'll be okay after the illness convalesces. Now, there's a couple ways a couple identifying marks of this particular disease that would allow you to distinguish it from smallpox or chicken pox or elf pox which is a disease i just made up <laughs> um but i don't know that it's anything pathognomonic meaning unique to that disease and only that disease however monkeypox does have a very distinguishing kind of lymph adenopathy which is swelling of your lymph nodes mm-hmm. uh that can generally be in the neck and the groin. Uh, So it's centrifugal. Uh, The rash also tends to be centrifugal, meaning it appears if you were spinning someone around for the rash to appear on them (laughs) like scattered paint, uh, (laughs) the rash is more likely to appear on your neck, your upper chest, your palms, and your soles rather Mm -hmm. than the center of your body. The rash should start on uh, on your center, just like you said. So what we call the trunk, you know, Josh, how you have a trunk, and then peripherally out to your palms and soles of the feet. However, if you have an initial inoculation, like if you're petting an infected monkey with your left hand, the first pox are actually going to show up there, like right by your left hand. Well, yeah, of course they'd show up at the site of entry. Duh. <laughs> Well, that's not always true. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My favorite part of what happens before they scab and convalesce, Josh, is called umbilication. Yeah, That's right. That's when your lump develops a bump. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, a divot. Like umbilicus, right, is your belly button. So all of these things get a little, they get a little belly button. (laughs) So for those of you into body horror, imagine your body covered in a rash that slowly 
transforms into belly buttons. Covered. <laughs> just covered in belly buttons. That's not what it is. Sweet dreams. <laughs> all right, all right. Just to calm you all down, it's just going to be a tiny little belly button, like a little divot in the middle of the actual bump. Okay? Why does that make it better? <laughs> so it's, it's, just a... A tiny, it's just a tiny belly button appearing in multiple all over you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on t- like in like digging into the bump though it's not like the belly button's going into your skin like you're getting holes in your skin <laughs> and this yeah. is really only for people who have belly buttons that are innies if you're an Audi, that's a whole other disease <laughs> hey this this pox does not respect whether you have an innie or an innie. you stop <laughs> spreading lies there dr goretsky <laughs> I'm saying the belly buttons that appear all over your body are going to be innies. <laughs> That's okay, fine. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it'll be an Audi first, right? Because it's a bump, but then you'll get the innie on top of the Audi. It is important that you not attempt to pop these. Yes, that's true. For a variety of reasons, beside the fact that it's just disgusting. Just like when we were, uh, you know, Dr. Josh and I were a little bit younger, there were a lot of people getting chicken pox because we were of an age prior to widespread vaccination. But you can actually get secondary infection of the burst vesicle because there's a wound underneath it, right? So you don't want to go popping these for sure. What is your likelihood of catching monkey pox at this point? Yeah. Unless you have been to Africa, anytime let's say in the last six months, because again, we're looking at a seven to 14 day incubation period. This is not a disease that tends to reside dormantly or go latent, which makes it uh, different from some of the other, like chicken pox can, can lay dormant. Yeah. So varicella is what we call it when we get chicken pox, right? And then it goes, Josh crawls around and it's so you wipe it out, meaning that your, your skin looks all good and everything. And then it goes crawls back josh into your spinal cord (laughs) into your your dorsal root ganglion and then it springs out years decades later as shingles or what the medical term is called zoster so monkeypox does not have a hide in your body stage nope and hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. That means that if you haven't been to Africa and you have not been around anybody who has been exposed, then you're fine. As we've already mentioned, you have to have a lot of prolonged face-to-face contact or exchange of bodily fluids in order to catch it. So it's nowhere near as contagious as COVID. So its likelihood to become a pandemic, again, at this time, is on the lower end. Now, let's say you are one of those people who has had contact with someone with monkeypox, or you yourself have traveled and may be at risk, well, what are the treatment options? Well, first of all, Josh, what you want to do is please go to your doctor. And for all of the physicians and nurses and everybody else, medical adjacent who are listening, please do not freak out. Don't lose your mind. Look for the symptoms first. So you want to look 
for fever, malaise. You should look for the vesicles, you know, starting to pop up or any of the rash that's starting to pop up. And then it is reportable. And we want to make sure to uh, get these folks into isolation as needed. So this is the important one. We definitely want to give supportive care. Most of you guys, okay, uh, because we're talking about that milder West African version that's now coming out of Africa into Europe and North America, it's going to be mild disease where you don't need anything. So we're going to treat, Josh, just like usual stuff for viral infection. So for dehydration, where we're going to give IV fluids, we do have antivirals that are useful, but unfortunately, some of these are restricted. So we have one that was just approved in July of 2018 called Tycoviramat. It looks like it will be still efficacious against human uh, infections with monkeypox. And we have dosing for it in adults. We have a different drug, which is older, called Cydofovir, much more commonly used for, as a, for instance, resistant cytomegalovirus. First of all, they're all IV. Okay. so. Really, it should be done in conjunction with a what's called a special pathogen center, like we have here in LA at Cedar Sinai, and with infectious diseases consultation. More than likely, we're going to be calling the CDC or local public health in order to get a hold of Tycoviramat or one of our other antivirals. For those of you who are still asking, okay, but uh, what if it turns into something like COVID? You guys have been wrong before. Sure. To which I say, ow, faith. No. <laughs> but, yeah. but all right, fine, we can take criticism. Sure. Uh, the U.S. does keep two vaccines. Vaccines are approved by the FDA for smallpox in our strategic national stockpile. That sounds this stockpile, awesome. This stockpile dates back to 9-11 when the government be- began creating a huge warehouse depot of vaccines and treatments in anticipation or fear of a bioterrorism attack. This is also around the time that anthrax envelopes were being sent to places. uh, And, you know, there was a big scare over that. However, only one of the two vaccines stockpiled has been currently approved to treat monkeypox by the FDA. Here's how you know how old it is. It actually has a pretty decent name genius okay no that's the name genius oh, the- <laughs> j-y j-y-n-n-e-o-s genius <laughs> so there is another trade name that you can find abroad which is imvimune and this is going to be a modified vaccinia Ankara, meaning Ankara, just like Ankara, Turkey. So that's how we named the strain of vaccinia virus. And Josh, this isn't like, oftentimes when we talk about vaccination and we say, by far and away, the side effects are very, very mild. And, you know, please don't worry about it. You're going to get some soreness. You might get some fever. And the side effect profile of the vaccine is much, much, much lower than that of the disease. I mean, by like times a thousand times 10,000, you know, like that. In this particular case, we want to do much, much more prevention by stopping spread rather than vaccination, because smallpox immunization using vaccinia is actually not a you know, harmless thing. Vaccinia, vaccination, smallpox vaccination is can actually have a pretty strong side effect to it. Now, Genius is made from a non-replicating form of vaccinia virus. Mm-hmm. So it cannot regurg- not regurg- it cannot regress and form a infectious disease version or cause a lot of those kinds of side effects. There are already a thousand doses that have been released and are ready to go for contacts of the infected. And I believe as of the last update, I saw there's only six or seven confirmed cases and scattered around the U.S. right now. So right. a thousand exactly. should be a thousand doses is more than sufficient to cover that. But just in case it wasn't, the contract we have with that company 
has been activated and 13 million additional doses have been ordered by the Biden administration. Now, I mentioned that there were two vaccines for smallpox. So Genius has been approved for monkeypox. Mm-hmm. ACAM 2000, which makes me think of Outcast, <laughs> which makes me think yeah. of Outcast, right? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's <laughs> now welcome Genius and ACAM 2000. <laughs> My yeah. smallpox don't mess around <laughs> because it infects me so, and yes, I know for sure. <laughs> huh. yeah. But it can cross infect and then become monkey pox and get in that door. <laughs> yeah, Th- this one is much, much more restricted. Absolutely. Uh, however, ACAM 2000. Much like Outcast has a much larger reach, over 100 million doses are currently available. It is, however, a live vaccine virus and therefore more likely in general to have side effects, uh, side effects in its profile. Right. Um, And this is the one which is replication competent. And it's different than from the modified Vaccinia Ankara vaccine that we talked about with uh, Imvimune or uh, Genius. So this is the one, Josh, where it's actually given the way that, you know, it was given back in the, the Revolutionary War, like in the 1700s. This is not a musket. No, no, no. (laughs) So nowadays you have an injection, right? Either intramuscular or subcutaneous. This one is actually given by scarification. So you actually have to, you know, make small cuts with a bifurcated sterile needle, like stab, stab, stab about 15 times into the epidermis of the deltoid. Uh, So you may have actually seen this before in older people who were part of the original smallpox vaccine campaign all the way back in the 1960s, they'll have a pocked kind of, um, it almost looks like the BCG vaccine for tuberculosis, but it tends to bulge out instead of puckering in. And so it does leave behind quite a impressive scar for the rest of your life on your arm. That's okay. People yeah. dig scars. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose they do. Yeah, yeah. But because of that, we don't want to be using that particular vaccine. You know, this isn't just like you said, a pandemic situation where we need to cover a lot of people at once. And if possible, we want to try avoiding this vaccination campaign and just go with everybody stay apart until until we're sure that these individual cases are burned out. But for those folks who are worrying or, in the government's case, planning for this to get out of hand because we've seen what happens when we just kind of procrastinate, smallpox vaccination during or after a monkeypox exposure will help prevent the disease or make an existing case less severe, uh, in fact, by up to 85 percent less likely, which, you know, prior to our rapid mRNA vaccines, which are achieving these previously or unheard of levels of 95% success, 99% success, 85% effective in preventing monkeypox, a completely different strain in the same family of diseases is really good. It's fantastic. Yeah. So remember, that is a relative risk reduction when we talk about vaccine efficacy. So as a for instance, uh, when when they ran these studies, uh, smallpox vaccination with vaccinia virus in looking at monkeypox, okay, we were seeing that we had people who had not been vaccinated who got a 7.5% attack rate versus the vaccinated people got a 1.3% attack rate. So it really does drop your risk from getting sick from monkeypox a lot. And just like you said, Josh, the the modified uh, Vaccinia Ankara virus that they use, then it's a lot safer than that replication competent, uh, what do we call that? The 2000, the ACAM 2000. So 
we do have a strategy here where if we absolutely need to, we can protect people, especially people who, you know, would be at higher risk for developing complications and death. Now, let's talk about the folks who are, again, worried that this disease is going to rapidly become contagious like COVID or has been released or engineered or what have you. So monkeypox is a DNA virus. It is inherently, as a DNA double-stranded virus, more stable and less prone to mutation than an RNA virus like COVID or another RNA virus you may be familiar with, HIV. Mm -hmm. So it's not likely to mutate and form multiple variants quite as fast as COVID has, forcing us all to learn the entire Greek alphabet. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. So we've had outbreaks over and over and over with these two various strains in Africa for a very long time, and it really hasn't changed much in its uh, genotype. Most of the susceptibility in the population is due to now lack of smallpox vaccination in endemic countries. So here, smallpox has been eradicated. There are still small bits of it or, or those kinds of diseases around in Africa. It's endemic because, as we said, monkeypox frequently jumps back and forth from rodents. And something that made smallpox unique, just to go all around on an aside here, <laughs> the reason it was the only virus to ever have been eradicated in humans are due to four, feature, four distinguishing features that all had to play together. There's no animal reservoirs. Humans were the end-all, be-all. Yep. The symptoms of smallpox are very characteristic, making it an easy disease to diagnose and therefore isolate infected patients. There's a very short infectious period. So if someone has it, you know almost right away. They're not getting on a plane and traveling all over Planet of the Apes style. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when they start to get sick... You see the rash immediately. They are ill. They don't want to move around much. They feel sick. So unlike, for instance, COVID, especially with the more recent variants, such as Omicron and, you know, the, the B2 version of Omicron, where you may be asymptomatic, but still contagious, or, you know, just have a mild cold-like symptoms, this particular disease, when you have it, you absolutely know you have it. And finally, a highly effective vaccine, meaning once you are vaccinated, you wouldn't get it. Now, this also feeds back into our susceptible population here in the U.S. A certain proportion of our elderly population would have been alive and therefore vaccinated for smallpox during their lifetimes, making them despite their age, in fact, less susceptible than the average bear to yeah. monkeypox. <laughs> yeah. So the folks who we were worried about with COVID and who are generally more vulnerable to diseases in just as a, as a rule, you know, 65 plus, 75 plus, these folks uh, especially as they get closer to 75, 80 years of age, uh, those folks are going to have been alive during the mass campaigns of vaccination for smallpox before we ended it, because at that time it was eradicated. So well, it was eradicated in 1979 mm -hmm. and routine smallpox vaccinations for the U.S. were stopped in 1972. So if you were born after 1972, you are more likely to be. I hate to say at risk, but you're more likely to be susceptible to monkeypox having not been part of that vaccination campaign. There you go. So are 50, 50 years olds and younger for those of you doing the math? Now, there is a certain segment of the media and the internet who are worried that monkeypox could be caught from some kind of vaccine like the COVID vaccine, Chadox or the oh, AstraZeneca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people were freaking out. And we haven't talked about this other disease yet as much, Josh, but there was a worry, there still is a worry for uh, a hepatitis that's going around in children, which may be caused by what's called an adenovirus. 
And Chaddox, of course, is a chimpanzee adenovirus derivative. So people tried to put two and two together and they ended up getting 15. So let's address <laughs> let's address a couple of these things. Yeah. You cannot get monkeypox at all in any way, shape, or form from the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine. Or or I'll say right now, Josh, from any existing vaccines. <laughs> You're like Chadox comes from a chimpanzee. Chimpanzees, not monkeys. Nope. They are apes, and they would thank you not to mistake them. Hmm? Monkeys have tails. Apes don't. Monkeypox is a DNA virus. COVID is an RNA virus. Yeah. You <laughs> Chadox is an adenovirus. <laughs> and it is an adenovirus, which, to be fair, is a DNA virus. But the whole point of that vaccine is that the adenovirus shell is completely stripped of all of its replicative DNA components so that you can use the outer part as a package to package the RNA, right? The messenger RNA for preventing COVID. So there's nothing there that's actually like a live replicating adenovirus at all. Even the, the guts of the virus are gone. Which brings us to point number three. Chadox uses dead viral particles as a vector. No infectious virus. So even if chimpanzees were monkeys, even if you could catch a DNA virus from an empty shell, even under those circumstances, you're working with dead particles or shreds of virus, not even a full complete deck. You're not playing with a full deck, as it were. Sure. And the disease is transmitted via face-to-face -face or intimate contact, not via vaccination. If that was true, the amount of cases would be humongous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for those of you who have to make these sorts of arguments with friends, family, colleagues, coworkers, there are a couple very simple baseline arguments. I hope they work. Yeah. I, I genuinely hope so, too. I want to put a couple of other conspiracies to rest about, oh, this thing was caused or made or whatever the hell that, you know, the same kind of nonsense that came out of the COVID pandemic. Listen, all of us in the infectious diseases community were aware of monkeypox. As Josh and I both outlined, there have been outbreaks inside of Africa many, many times before. And then when us humans have done stupid things like transporting animals without being careful, then- Ahem, Tiger King. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the, the monkeypox have just come along. I mean, this is the consequence of our- you know, not being responsible, which they shouldn't be doing anyway, because COVID. <laughs> yeah. Because when you monkey around. <laughs> That's what happens. There's so, a pox on your house. <laughs> so this is genuinely just humans going to human. Okay. And we have to be better about it. You know, all these many, many years when our epidemiologists and world health professionals were warning us that, hey, this is a thing that can start to go around pretty fast. We're having small outbreaks anyway, and we didn't listen. This is the consequence of all of that. Okay. So, there's so I no... don't want to hear you howler about it. Yeah. Trust me, the sun will come out tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a great baboon to you. No, wait, they're an ape. <laughs> I bonobo what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, I will let you end with a just the tip from Toxomania. Yeah. <laughs> XVI. Tell us what sort of things were going on. And oh. uh, listening audience, I want you to imagine Dr. Santosh in a luchador mask. <laughs> As he uh, describes this. Absolutely. Uh, yes, I, I left the luchador mask at home this time, which I, I deeply regret. I was able to attend the Royal Rumble Toxo 16. <laughs> University of California at Riverside Arts Center. Uh, it's also called the, the Culver Center for the Arts. And I think it has some of the most beautiful exhibits I've ever seen. They've got a great exhibit right now, which is photography from California. 
kind of showing uh, all of the history of California. And Josh, they've got pictures of some of the coolest stuff. You remember the spruce goose that Howard Hughes made, that giant friggin' plane? So they've actually got pictures of it flying or trying to take off out of the river and the inside of it as it was being constructed. And they have, just for all of you comic book fans out there, an amazing uh, exhibition called Ebon, Fear of a Black World, which is made by a collective of artists, Josh, called Black Kirby. And it's a really beautiful, it's definitely a social commentary type of a Katango thing. That's it for this week. As always, we love to hear your comments, questions, and feedback. If you'd like to support us spiritually, emotionally, or financially, links to do that are in the show notes, along with links for further reading. Our theme music is composed by Rachel Leisure. The show is produced by me with a lot of help from Dr. Santosh and friends. We fixed the problems with the RSS feed. So <laughs> thanks for your patience, everyone. Yeah. Uh, and until next time, as always, wash your hands, get your shot, wear a mask, mm. um, do your research. See, that's a good, it's a new one. It do really your research. Is. Do your research. Find somewhere to go, and once you feel safe and have taken care of all of that, happy travels. Bye, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.